0: Welcome back to the show. I am truly excited to be joined today by Shari Levitin. Shari is the CEO of Levitin Group and an advisory board member of Vengreso, the largest digital transformation company. Um, Shari's helped create over $1 billion in increased revenue for companies in over 40 countries. Um, she's a best selling author of Heart and Sale 10 Universal Truths Every Salesperson Needs to Know. Shari's also a contributor to Forbes, CEO Magazine, Quotable, Inc. Magazine, and Huffington Post. has actually voted top 38 most dynamic women in sales in 2019 by Sales Hacker, top 10 voices in sales LinkedIn in 2018, and top 20 global sales experts appearing in the documentary film, The Story of Sales, as well as having many more huge achievements. Shari, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, Sam. It sounds exhausting listening to what you just said, but... uh... (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of achievements. Thank you you for the kind introduction.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Pleasure to have you on, Sherry. So there's plenty of ground we'd love to cover with your good self. Um, We want to learn your top business growth tips. We want to learn some of your top digital marketing strategies. But before we get to those juicy bits, we'd love to know um, your story, Sherry. So kind of since, since leaving school, some of the key businesses you've worked at and what you learned along the way up to, to getting where you are today. Um, so yeah, if you could share with us kind of where you grew up, how you first got into business and some of the key businesses you've worked at and what you've learned, that would be very much appreciated.
1: Oh, well, um, I went to the University of Colorado at Boulder way back when, and I got into sales by accident. I think this happens to a lot of people, right? And, sure, yeah. uh, I thought, you know, maybe I'll take a year off, uh, before I go back and, and get, I was going to go to law school and I saw an ad in the paper and I'm not kidding you. It said Foxy ladies, summer resort job earned six to $800 a week. No experience <laughs> necessary contact Mr. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm thinking I definitely qualify for this. I have no experience necessary <laughs> and I definitely want to live in a ski area for for a few months. So, um, I'm thinking it's going to be this glamorous job, right? And I was envisioning that I was going to be taking wealthy tourists on river rafting trips and, you know, doing all of these wonderful outdoor activities with uh, these, again, wealthy clients from all over the world. Well, turns out I accept the job. And my yep. first job at a school was to stand in a parking lot in front of a Safeway store and send okay. for a Uh, pass out brochures and send people to take a timeshare presentation. So this was my first job. So of course, uh, I learned that I could talk to anybody. I learned that uh, I actually liked sales and um, I made a ton of money. So um, what ended up happening is they said, wow, you're really good at this marketing thing. Why don't we put you into sales? And I ended up being a top sales rep. Now, I did realize that they were a little unscrupulous and very high pressure. So um, I got out of that uh, segment and then years later, got a call from Marriott Corporation. And Marriott Corporation offered me a fabulous position. And that's where I had a mentor that really changed my life. And- taught me that there was a system to this thing called sales there was a system (laughs) to this thing called building rapport doing discovery overcoming what we called objections back then and this mentor really taught me about guest experience and creating customers for life and and i started to understand that there was it wasn't just about what you said, it was about understanding human psychology, why people do what they do. And if I could understand that, it would not only make me a better seller, it would make me a better person in every aspect of my life. So this big mentor really changed my life. And then I, um, under his mentorship, became the top salesperson in all of Marriott and uh, uh, things just took off, yeah.
0: So, Marriott, neither know them as a big hotel chain, but what did you start doing from with them, Shari? So, of course, you went from what you thought was going to be kind of a hands on whitewater rafting kind of experience, but you're actually the marketing <laughs> department, got pulled into sales because yeah. you were doing really well dealing with the customers, and then um, got drafted into to Marriott, it sounds like. Yeah. And what, were you, what were you doing when you were with them?
1: Well, so with Marriott, they had a real estate product that was a kind of a high end fractional product, if you will. So, um, it was through the Marriott hotels, a vacation ownership product. And, uh, they wanted to make sure that they separated themselves from these guys that were more high pressure. And Uh, I realized that, uh, you know, a lot of people thought it needed to be a a today sale type thing. And I thought, well, if they don't buy today, I'm going to follow up with them. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to really build relationships over time. And I used to do that. And um, I remember by doing that, you know, Marriott got really excited because I was, I was maintaining their brand awareness, right. And becoming the top salesperson, they started sending me to all the sites and they said, wow, she's got a, a method of selling while maintaining our brand integrity and then pretty soon I was training all of Marriott. And then when I went out on my own, Hyatt, Hilton, Four Seasons, they all called me and they said, wow, this is a really growing segment. We want to get into this business, but we don't want any of this high pressure stuff. Um, and, and so I launched my company in 1997, knowing that I was ultimately going to get into into other verticals.
0: Got it. Okay. So just before we get into that, you said you became the top seller and then you were training their staff. So what, how were you able to do that, Shari? How did you become the very best at that time?
1: You know, like I said, I I had a mentor that, that really believed in me. And he also told me, he said, look, there's three goals of any sales presentation or any sales conversation. He said, number one, make the customer feel better about you and your product after you've met with them than before you've met with them. That's goal. Number one, you have got <laughs> to make that customer great. Cause if they don't buy today, you know, they'll buy tomorrow. Back then, if an unhappy customer, you know, might tell 10 people today, they'll tweet it out to 10,000. So, but so he true. instilled that in me. He said, you need to make your customer feel better. That was goal. Number one, okay. goal. Number two was to get the sale. That was goal. <laughs> number two, this, third goal is the one that changed my life. And it does to this day. So for any of you entrepreneurs out there, he said, goal number three will change your life. Goal number three is if you didn't get the sale, you can lose the deal, but don't lose the lesson. Figure out why oh, I like you that. didn't get it, learn from it, and don't make that mistake again. He instructed me at that time, he says, everything you learn about your interactions with customer, put in a little black book. Today, it's a little blue book. And start writing down patterns that you see in behavior. Start writing down what you know is true of people and how they react. Well, pretty soon I had 50 of these. Today I have thousands of these. And that's what created the sales methodology and training systems that are ever evolving. And of course, now many of them are digital today. But what I'm seeing, Sam, is I started seeing that there were patterns. I realized, for example, that there's seven key motivations that motivate all human beings to do anything. And if we can get to those core motivators, so instead of just selling to saving money or making money, if you're in financial services, whatever the case may be, there's actually seven reasons at the core, because we're all motivated emotionally that somebody will choose to buy something. I realized that when somebody's scared of making a choice to buy your product or service, they're probably in one of three to five negative emotional states. I realized that when we tell stories, we've all heard to tell sales stories, really, there's five goals to a great sort of customer story. And I started, and this is the way my brain works. I like I like unpacking things. And so I started putting together, well, there's five rules of a great sales story. There's four goals of a great sales discovery. And I started putting examples and neuroscience to this. And pretty soon I had salespeople from all over Marriott. And then of course, from all over the world saying, Oh my God, people have told me for years to sell emotionally, but I didn't know the five keys to doing it. People have told me for years that I need to answer objections, but I didn't realize there's really only six real objections to purchasing anything. And I found that by, Systematizing it and simplifying it—that's all sellers needed, and they need to know the why behind the what. What? Why does it work? So that they could then pivot and use it in many situations.
0: Excellent. Okay. So you said your your mentor was just was a big was a big help for yourself, Sherry. So is that re- something you recommend to anyone in business or anyone in sales to have a mentor to help them progress?
1: Yeah, and a mentor usually finds you. Um, they, okay. What's the saying that when the student's ready, the teacher will appear? Um, Having a mentor is critical because sales reps can't always self-assess. So if we knew how to solve our problems, we might solve them on our own. But then, and you have to be coachable. If you're not coachable and you've got too much ego, you'll never learn. But when you find the right mentor, yeah, a mentor is critical and has always been critical. And my mentors have changed throughout my career.
0: Sure. Okay. Well, that's some, some great advice, Shari. And this is a bit of a tricky one. But as you mentioned, and I, I completely agree, you have to get your buyers, your prospects, your idle customers emotional emotionally attached to what you're offering before they can justify it with intellect, um, as is written in so many books that I'm going through right now. Now, is, is there any way that we can, or any way we can do that? You mentioned telling stories or is there, I know it's a tricky one to, to sum up in a short amount of time, but is there any key tips you could share on how to get prospective buyers emotionally involved into the product or the service that you have to offer?
1: Well, first you have to understand what their emotional motivators are and what their problems are and what's going to make them tick. And, you know, um, today, of course, it's quite different. Back when I started, um, you would do a discovery and ask questions. I have uh, sure. something I talk about in my book is the the four levels of questions we need to ask our customers. Uh, first level, second level, third level, and now the new one is fourth level. But first level is really what I call, I use a metaphor, skin, bone, heart. So first okay. level questions are are surfacy. Uh, when you're selling B2B, uh, you might want to know, um, how, you know, what software are they using now? As an example, how many users do they have? Um, you, you know, what other software are you using? How many employees do you have? Those are all skin questions. And quite frankly, you should figure those out before you ever talk to a prospect. You should do your research. You, you know, LinkedIn is great for that. LinkedIn Navigator, you want to do your research because customers today are busy and they don't want Got to it. be bothered uh, with that. Second level questions, or what I call bone questions, um, are questions that reveal customer problems, okay? And you've got to have good problem questions, and you've got to think them through in advance. So, um, you know, the, the problem questions might be, what are some of the challenges you're currently facing? Um, how have things changed in your organization? What's not working about your current vendor? And they don't always tell you this. Sometimes they block you, but 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 you do it through questioning. And then finally, there's these heart questions or these emotional questions um because the best salespeople break past the skin through the bones and get to the heart of why somebody would and these are deeply emotional and 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 it might be they want to improve their culture we're working with a, a big bank uh right now and and the president is very very proud of his culture and his motivator for bringing me in is he sees a lot of my work as enhancing their internal culture as well as their external culture. So that would be getting to the heart of what motivates people. Um, So that's the the third type of question. Um, It might be, we, we had a customer selling a big software product and she had tried and tried to break through to this customer and she finally asked a heart question and found out that if all the KPIs went up the way they could with this product, that he wouldn't have to travel so much and he could spend more time with his teenage son that's a heart motivator, right? That's emotional. And when you can get to that level, everything changes.
0: So is it is it kind of about taking it to a more personal level, Shari, than business related? Because you mentioned then that it was kind of, it, it sounded like it was more of a personal mater, motivator in this, this particular person's um, case, but perhaps not always.
1: I would divide up between a B2C sale and a B2B sale. So if you're okay. selling to a consumer, and I know you have a lot of listeners out there, if you're selling... Um, an insurance product, you're selling a real estate product, or you're um, selling your own, you, you know, or you're selling cars or anything like that. It's very personal. It's very right. emotional why somebody would buy your product. When a, in a B2B sale, it's a little bit more subtle, right? So in B2B, it's what is it going to do for that decision maker or group of decision makers? Because we also know we have an average of 11 stakeholders today. What's it going to do for their company? um and um what's it going to do for them within that company and so those motivators are going to be a little bit different enhanced okay. culture it might be um you know that they're going to expand market share it might be that they're going to have better relationships but it's nonetheless don't kid yourself it's emotional
0: Awesome. Okay. So moving back to your story, Shari, um, you stayed at Marriott for some time. You became one of the best sales reps, became training everyone else. And then when was the light bulb moment that you decided to start your own company? What happened and what made you take the leap?
1: Oh, we were all sitting around in Colorado talking about what we'd do if we won the $35 million lottery. (laughs) And everybody went round and one person was going to buy fancy cars and homes. The other was going to start an outdoor company. And they all looked at me and said, what would you do if money were no object, if you won the lottery? And I'm telling you, Sam, like I lit up and I said, I'd start this training company and I'd help people like my mentor meant, helped me and I'd help them be better sellers and better people. And I would bring in guest speakers and I and I start And, and, and as I'm saying this, like my body changed and at the end, everybody looked at me and said, okay, you're a little sick. (laughs) And then I remember one guy named Peter Williams put his arm around me and he said, you know, you are so good at what you do and you don't have to win the lottery to do it. Why don't you go do it? So I did 1997. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Okay, that's, that's a great story. So you started up, and how was it to, to begin with, Shara? Was it hard work building up the business from, was it from scratch, or did you have context already that you kind of brought in to help you progress the business?
1: Uh, that's a great question. I, my father once told me that you can never skimp on lawyers' reputation Or shoes.
0: (laughs) Okay. Tell us more.
1: (laughs) Um, when When I started, before I started, was it hard? Absolutely. So, sure, I had a great reputation in a particular vertical. I had great contacts. But really what it took was I had to get, and again, this is before computers. I literally had to be able to take so many no's that it didn't hurt anymore. And I made a list of people and I must have called 50, 100 people a day. Now, I didn't skimp on the marketing. So the first I took $5,000, which was more money than I could imagine at that time. And I built a gorgeous, again, brochure. We didn't have digital back then. So I built this Good. For sure, I got testimonials. I looked a lot bigger than I was, right? I looked like, (laughs) you know, and a lot of people have left Marriott and gone to Four Seasons. So I got so it looked like I was working for Four Seasons and Hyatt and Marriott, and because they had all gone to different companies, so I had this great brochure that I created, and I had a a wonderful attorney create um, a legal entity, which is important because there's things you don't think of as a new business person protecting my personal my intellectual property. Um, How am I going to do my contract? So this was all very, very important. But I think the third thing was, you just got to go for it with your heart and soul and not worry about the people that say no. And and just keep going for the yeses and learn along the way. Take action. If you're an entrepreneur, look, you can have the best product in the world, but somebody's got to buy it. And I think too many people have this, if I build it, they will come mentality. And let me tell you, it's not the best product that wins. It's the best product that people understand and are aware of that wins. And so what I did was I called and called, and I remember saying to people, hey, um, I will give you 45 minutes of free training. All I ask is that all four back then decision makers are in the room and you sit through the entire training. And pretty soon as I started doing that more and more, the word got out, my reputation got out, And we started getting gigs. And I remember the big turning point was people used to call and, well, can you give me your prices? Can you give me this? And if you keep pushing hard enough and you keep reaching out to enough people, pretty soon it wasn't, here's my price. It was, well, when do you want the event? Um, Yeah, I'm sorry. We're booked for the next five months, which we were. So now all of a sudden, oh my God, they must be good. We don't care what the price is, right? So momentum creates momentum and the way you create momentum is you fill your pipeline and you've got, got it fearless.
0: Some awesome tips there, Sherry. I love the, the first point you made about not skimping on marketing. So um, like you said, you spent 5k back then, which was a lot of money still to many people it is right now, especially if you're starting a new business and you're small um, and you haven't got a lot of cash reserves. So um, I love that you didn't think, oh, we're not going to do any marketing. We're just going to leave that to one side and we're just going to try and do cold outreach. Whereas you said, yep, we're going to do this for marketing. We're going to do cold outreach. We're going to bring in old contacts to so kind of hit it on all cylinders. And you said put in the activity, which I couldn't agree more with. So um, filling up the pipeline and, and making sure you've got a lot of opportunities until you got to that stage where you're even even it sounds like turn, able to turn away business or create scarcity so you could charge effectively what you wanted, which is the, the place you all want to be, right? Exactly. Cool. Okay. So um, it sounds like the business progressed nicely from there, Shari. Um, are there any particular highs or lows that you've had? Or perhaps we could start with the lows um, that you've had in your business and how you recovered back from them. Any that you could share with us?
1: Yeah, I would say... I could, well, there's a lot more lows than highs, but fortunately the, the highs sure. outweighed the lows. Um, but again, you got it. You can lose the deal, but don't lose the lesson. We um, by our third year, we created some unbelievable strategic alliances and went global. Um, we very quickly were in for, not very quickly after two, three years of hard work. We're in 40 countries, five continents. I had uh, offices in Europe in Asia and we were, you know, we were, became a global company. The big mistake I made, I would say maybe, I'm trying to think of the year, but the biggest mistake I made is as we started growing, we had a lot of people say, um, oh, you, you should really be online. We'd We'd love your content, this and that. I ended up, getting in a lane that wasn't my expertise, which is so easy for okay. an entrepreneur to do. And I realized that I had had cassette tapes and DVDs and videos, and but then online, this thing called the internet, right, started happening. And we had people that wanted our content in all different countries, and it was exciting. And so I had somebody, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of research and I had a gentleman come up to me and said, I can build you a whole online platform and I can, you can be a technology company. You can be a technology pioneer and, you know, be with Silicon Valley, you know, and I'm like, oh, that sounds really great. So um, rather than realizing, I really don't know anything about technology. I'm not even sure what the different, you know. Um, programming languages are. I said, sure. He said, I can do it for $50,000 and it'll be done in three months. Well, I can tell you, Sam, seven figures later and three years later, I had built this software. Now, here's the cool thing we sold millions of dollars of training initially, but within a year, we had big companies saying, oh, this is great. Uh, you know, could we have this ad on? I have no idea because. I couldn't keep up with the other software companies. I am not a software company. Uh, I see. Okay. And and now pretty soon I'm spending 90% of my time dealing with software people and engineers and trying to create upgrades and bridges and, and to that software. And I like, it's like if you sell hot dogs, you know, don't sell cruise memberships, you know, like it, it, like I should have outsourced it from the beginning. Now, what it taught me is that people wanted online learning. And this was before it was even a buzzword or popular, but the big lesson I learned, I literally invested millions of dollars in this software, got a lot of customers, but then couldn't keep up with their needs. Um, and finally, out. I had to like, you know. The the lesson for entrepreneurs is a stay in your lane and b you need to know when to stop throwing good money after bad. It was not gonna yeah. work. And and I spent about a year throwing good money after bad, and I just went, you know what? I need to stay in my lane. What I do is I create content, I train and deliver content, I'm great at that. I suck at software. Hashtag suck at software. <laughs> and I needed to throw it all away and now everything's outsourced and it's a beautiful thing. And we have, you know, virtual learning clients all over the world again, but it's not my software.
0: <laughs> Got it, no, I'm much the same. I leave the development to our digital guys and uh, I, yeah. I stand, stand by the account management and sales. So I know what you mean. Cool, no, that's, that's great, ep- Sherry.
1: Epic fail, epic fail. And, 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 I, and again, I learned from it and now I get to coach other people and say, you know, we have a saying in our company, don't make cat videos don't make cat videos. it's not what you do. I don't care how much they pay you. I don't care how good and fun the opportunity. Like entrepreneurs know what it is you do, who you do it for, what you're best at, and just because somebody's going to write you a check doesn't mean you have to create a cat video.
0: Awesome way of putting it. Awesome way of putting it. Okay. Good stuff. What about any highs? any particular highs that you could share Shari and how you got to those? I know there's a lot I read out at the start of the intro, but perhaps some of the um, more rewarding ones you found.
1: Well, what was really awesome is um, then really um, expanding into multiple verticals, um, which was always what I wanted to do. And so after 2008, which was really hard for a lot of people, it was actually great for us because we had people go into, you know, had been through a lot of our trainings and our train the trainer programs and they'd um we would get emails from people i use you know we use your training for um i i build bridges we sell bridges to the government we uh sell software we do this and then all of a sudden we realized wow our message and our way of training um really could expand into multiple verticals um that that was a real high and a a real aha for us because i think what we did is we really honed we, we weren't just training i think what makes us really different we don't just train sales training we understand how people learn and we spent years understanding how people need to consume information to change a behavior to increase roi whereas there's all these motivational speakers rah 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 people forget it in 30 days and we really focused on how people learn it's like salespeople. are you going to focus on how you want to sell or are you going to focus on how people buy you need to start with the end consumer and work backwards and we always did that and understand uh, adult learning theory so that brought us into lots of different verticals i would say um probably some of the biggest highs uh if i look later on in my career certainly publishing my first book uh was a big high for me and being able to not just work with corporations, but help individuals all over the globe. That was huge. That, awesome. Okay. You know, and, and getting emails from people in Pakistan or like people that I never would have been able to touch. And knowing that, you know, we really have an impact. And then donating some of the proceeds to different charities that's that became a different level of highs and satisfactions
0: really rewarding okay yeah. fantastic stuff okay shari as always we like to take the angle of um, digital marketing on the show and learn a bit more about some of the digital strategies that your business has undertook and have given you great results so are there any particular channels that your company invests in that have helped you grow over the years
1: oh i'm a linkedin junkie girl um, yep, same. But, I, but I, but I will tell you how it started and, and this is interesting. So I, I just sort of used to think that LinkedIn was a stuffy Facebook, you know, like, why would I do that? Like, that's just a resume place. And admittedly, it wasn't until four years ago. And I love the outdoors. I love the hike. I was on a hike talking to one of my, uh, colleagues, our, our director of sales for our company. And he says to me, you know, and he's a millennial. He's much younger than I. He says, um, you got to stop it with these corporate videos and your suits and all that because you're not relating to people my age. I said, excuse me? He says, yeah, you're coming across as like really canned and really staged. And people today want it more raw. They want it more authentic. I said, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. He goes, no, really? Like you should start doing Facebook Lives, Like just dressed like you're dressed, like doing what, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go on it. And by the end of the, as, as I get to the top of the, the mountain, he says, I dare you to do a Facebook live right now. I said, I'm not <laughs> doing a Facebook live now. I like, I have no makeup. I'm sweaty. He goes, exactly. Do it. I doubled it. Well, now I'm kind of ticked off. So I say, okay, fine. I'll try it. So I pick up my phone. I, you know, I was on Facebook. I do a Facebook live and we get over 12,000 views. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh my God. Like that's a lot better penetration than my blogs. Like this is huge. Like what if I, and so then I started doing video for LinkedIn and I couldn't believe what started. And I started doing it regularly. So I every Sunday night at six o'clock, I put out a video with three tips and within a year, it was like, oh my God, the the consistency, the knowing, you know, starting with the problem, three tips, making it relevant to my audience and giving and not asking for anything in return. I never asked anybody to buy anything and I still doubt. If they like my right. message, they're going to come to me inbound. And then by the end of that year, I get this message from LinkedIn that I've just been named top 10 voice in sales. I, I mean, I was crying. I was like, You're kidding me. Like, that's amazing. And then we just started getting all this business and, but that like launched everything. And then I got to be in the Salesforce film and, and then all of a sudden, er, but it all started from giving, not wanting anything in return and not being nervous about what it looked like or sounded like, and just being me and being raw.
0: Yeah, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head on the best way to attack LinkedIn, really. And yeah, yeah, the fact that it's got such a good organic reach. I mean, I bang bang on about LinkedIn in almost every episode and almost all the the sales professionals and marketing and um, business professionals had on have, have pretty much said they love LinkedIn, which is great because the organic reach is fantastic. And like you say, if you constantly give value over time and you're consistent, then the inquiries will start coming your way as long as you've geared up your profile to act as a, a lead magnet or a landing page and it's easy for people to get in touch with you. Then yeah, over time, the the inquiries will start flying in. Excellent. So really pleased that that's a strategy you recommend, Sherry. Are there any other channels that yourself or your team utilize to to be able to generate leads or new business?
1: Well, I'll tell you what... Be it
0: digital or outbound?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what um, we are huge fans of. And I think we have a small window on this, Sam. I think we got a year or two before... It's going to just be like email because now what do you get? Like, hmm. I don't know. You're the marketing guy. 3% response rate on a cold email or is it less? It's
0: pretty low. I mean, you've, email, you've got to be so hot at crafting them as well. That's that's another game. Being able to craft a perfect cold email is, is a skill in itself. So yeah, please, what, please what,
1: what we use is video. And like I said, I think we have a year or two window where everybody goes, ah, it's another email video. But right now, man, um, sending a video to... Um, you know, we don't do a lot of cold prospecting. We're fortunate that most of our business is inbound and referral at this point, but I can tell you that even after there's an inbound, after we do sort of a discovery with a potential client, maybe they're pitting us against three or four other, you know, people that seem like us, we will always follow up with video after the call, because a, you probably only had one stakeholder on the phone. Now they've got to convince the other five, six, seven, sometimes 11 stakeholders. So by following up with a video, all of a sudden I'm differentiating myself from all the other people that followed up with a proposal or an email that doesn't have the personality in it, right? And, And they're not building the trust. But here's the key when we follow up with video, I don't, again, I don't pitch. You know what I do? I restate what they told me their pain points are what objectives, they, their skin, bone, and heart information. It's all about, here's what I heard you say, here's what's going on for you, because by showing them that I really listened and I understand their situation, I'm gonna tell you right now, 98% of reps don't do that. They pitch, they pitch. Oh, good, got the information, now I'm gonna sell you my wares. People need to feel that you understand them before you offer a solution biggest advice i can give to anybody selling their products or services
0: amazing never really thought that actually as well Mm -hmm. i mean um i started myself doing a little bit of linkedin dm video messaging as cold prospecting outreach just a a kind of 30 35 second Mm -hmm. one but i've never thought to actually follow up with um kind of inbound leads. So after I've perhaps had a discovery call or after we've shipped out a proposal or a quotation and they're perhaps bringing it to their board of directors, whatever, and then following up with a personalized video, that's a really nice touch. I like that. And like you say, it makes you stand out from the crowd because I bet no other company that they're speaking to is doing that. So it's Not really to
1: mention idea. that you, on, on a lot of these platforms, um, you've got analytics on them. So, so I also know, sure. did, did they open them, when they opened them? And did they distribute them within the company? because I can see it.
0: Awesome. Okay, fantastic. So that's that's good to learn some of the digital channels you've had success with, Shari, and that everyone tuning in to dive straight into after listening and tuning into this show. Um, for anyone considering starting a business, Shari, or anyone that has just started up a business, are there any tips or golden nuggets of advice that you could share with them um, just to help them get off the ground running?
1: Again... Make sure that you know exactly who your ideal customer is. You know, I I just, I know I've said it before, but I can't say it enough. You've got to know who your target market, who your customer is, number one. Number two, as you're starting up a business, more important than your product, more important than your strategy, who are your relationships? relationships are everything. My grandfather told me a long time ago, your friends on your way up or your friends on your way down. You, to succeed in business today, there's a lot of products and services that are similar. It's the oldest thing in the book, but it, it holds true. People do business with people they like and trust. Don't ever burn a bridge. When you say you're going to do something, do it give before you expect to get i think right now we're in the middle of a pandemic i don't know when this is going to air and there's so many entrepreneurs right now that are thinking oh my god i i've got to make money what do i do to make money i've got to make money fast that's the wrong question money proceeds value the question you should be asking yourself is how do i give value how do i give value And if you start looking at where and how you can give people value, the money will follow. That's the better question that you need to ask, particularly now. So I would say number two, it's all about the relationship. And number three, you will fail. Learn from your failures because the more you fail, the more success that you're gonna have. And you've gotta be okay with that emotionally. Failing hurts. There's an emotional pain to losing, but you've got to have the resilience to say, here's what I learned and here's what I'm going to try next time.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. And just before we wrap this up, Sherry, are there any daily habits or any particular habits that you follow that have helped you to be a success or any habits that you recommend people should follow to be a success in sales and business?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're different over the last two, three months. Being home <laughs> and not being yep, on the so road. Exactly the same here. Um, because I'm on the road a lot. Um, I try to do a few important things every day. For me, I need to move every day. We can get stuck if we're not moving. So for me, it's I walk, I run, I hike, I do yoga. But a lot of people don't understand that we sort out problems in our bodies, not just in our minds. And by, how often do you go for a walk, you separate yourself from a challenge, you can't be working all the time. And when you separate yourself physically, I find that very often we're wiser than we think and we know the answers. So I make sure that I exercise and move every single day, number one. Um, Number two, I would say another, success habit that I do every single day is I talk to my team every single day. And I don't just talk to them about what they're doing. Talk to them about how they're feeling. And that's a very different conversation because people spend the majority of their time at work and what's going to keep them with you. There's a, what the new Gallup poll said, only 15% of employees are engaged. Oh my God. What if you had 50% of engagement from all your employees? What would that be like? Even 50. percent yeah,
0: seriously low, isn't it?
1: <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, what people want today is very different than what they wanted years ago. They don't want a boss. They want a coach. And what a coach does is they understand what matters to you personally. Because I can't affect your outer world if I don't understand your inner world. So as a leader, you want to really know the people on your team and you want to know what's important to them because it's different for everybody on your team. Some people need more recognition. Some people need more time off. Um, Some people need, um, everybody on your team is going to need something different and you need to know what that is. And if you've got a bigger company, then obviously you have managers that should be doing that as well. So um, that's another thing that I do every single day. And then third, I make sure that every single day I'm learning something. And like the other day, I just learned how to use a new software. I learned how to use Skitch. That was like really cool. (laughs) But I learned something or I'll, you know, read or I'll, you know, take a, a course. I think that a growth mindset today and agility. I mean, look, our whole world just turned upside down. And if you're not reading and learning and growing, there's actually research out there that the more you learn and the more different things you learn, you can actually increase your brain. It's called plasticity. And so the more I learn and the more I grow, the better I am able to problem solve and figure things out. So as an entrepreneur, don't just learn things in your own field. You know, you, you want to really keep your brain moving. I don't watch a lot of TV a little bit. I read a lot. I learn a lot. And that's always kept me moving forward.
0: Brilliant. I can relate a heck of a lot to pretty much everything you just said there, Shara. I don't watch much TV. I try to exercise a heck of a lot. And like you say, some of the best times when you're stuck, because especially now during the pandemic, I'm stuck, stuck in front of a screen nearly, I don't know, 10, 11 hours a day, just flat out work. So it's so important to get out and get some fresh air. like take the dog for a walk I do or go for exercise first thing in the morning and just revitalize, refresh your mind. And it also, like you he said, helps you come up with some, some ideas or helps you look at things from a different perspective. So, yeah, really, really, really like that. Um, well, everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and their tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. Sherry, I'd like to ask everyone on the show if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, for having a positive influence on yourself in your career, who would that be and why?
1: Oh, my mother. My mother's the most amazing woman. She's 85 years old. She doesn't want me telling anybody that.
0: She's <laughs> Great age.
1: She's published 40 books. She oh, is amazing. now okay. working on her 41st book. She's working on a play and Sam, she just wrote her 20 year business plan.
0: Oh my days. Okay. She's, she's doing very well then. She's some certainly to look up to.
1: <laughs> but there's something more than that from my mother. I just have to say this. You know, some people wake up in the middle of the night and they worry about what they need to do. They think about their to-do list. They grab their phone. When my mother wakes up at night, she's grateful. She thinks about the peach trees. She thinks about the animals. She thinks about all the things she's grateful for. And, uh, that's a real role model.
0: Love that. Love that. And what, what are all her books about, by the way? Or are they all different subjects and topics?
1: Well, she started as a young adult writer, um, a whole nother podcast, but uh, <laughs> he grew up in Berlin uh, as a Jew and escaped Nazi Germany at four years old. So Whoa. okay, uh, she has an early memory of seeing Hitler and how that affected oh her and it's shaped her life. And so they got out. And so her first few books, uh, her first book was called Journey to America and she's dedicated her life to refugees and to freedom and to helping people from other cultures and other countries and that's been her life's work and then she wrote a lot of young adult novels and since then all different types but it's really been that genre and Got it. Uh, okay yeah
0: incredible story awesome yeah. like you say a whole another whole podcast on that could be done yeah. fantastic all right Sherry. um well tell us a bit more about your book tell us a bit more about your business and oh, the best way okay. people get in touch with yourself
1: okay i'm not going to grab the chinese version i'm going to grab the english version <laughs> hold on Okay, Heart and Sell, 10 Universal Truths. Every salesperson needs to know, or every entrepreneur needs to know. So, um, the way the book is divided up, it's um, the 10 Universal Truths. Five are about what to do, they're tactical. Five are about who to be. So, who do you need to be a good listener, positive, growth mindset, things like that? So, you can buy Heart and Sell on Amazon. And uh, please follow me on LinkedIn because I put out three pieces of absolutely free content every single week. If you'd like to talk to us, um, happy to do a consult with you about uh, how to help your team progress, just email me at sherry at sherryleveton.com.:
0: Fantastic, Sherry. Well, everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Group Show. It's sh- sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses skyrocket their leads, sales, and brand positioning via results-driven digital marketing, SEO, conversion-focused websites, and custom mobile apps. That's webchoiceuk.com. Sherry, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Sam.
0: Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.